0: I'm Amber Tresca, and this is about IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. The pandemic threw my editorial calendar into chaos. So at long last, here's the final of my episodes with people who live with a permanent ostomy and exploring why they share their stories. To listen to the other two episodes, head back to episode 65, I'm Going to Make the Best of This, with Stephanie Hughes of The Stolen Colon, and episode 66, I Just Needed Something to Change, with Austin Powers of The Ostomy Guy. My guest for this episode is Amber Wallace-Ogle of The Ostomy Diaries. Amber was diagnosed with Crohn's disease as a teenager, and she had permanent ostomy surgery as a young woman. She teaches high school, and she recently got married. We discuss her path to creating her social media channels and how she goes about her work with intention. Stick around to the end to hear Amber's five tips on what to do before sharing your IBD journey and to hear a message from a woman who was comforted by Amber's story. First of all, it's so nice to talk to you.
1: I know.
0: It's exciting. Amber, it's very weird to be addressing you as Amber when I'm also an Amber.
1: I know. I have to refer to you with your last name.
0: Sometimes people just refer to me by my last name. But as you, I'm sure, are discovering when it is your married name, that is also a unusual thing. Oh, because yeah. even though I've been married 20 years, I still don't really identify like that doesn't really still feel like my last name. I know that sounds weird. No, I totally get it.
1: I've been struggling with that. I mean, especially being a teacher, because last year I was Miss Wallace, and now this school year I'm Miss Ogle. And sometimes people say something,
0: and I'm like, What? (laughs) Yep, that's me now. That's my name. Yeah, that's my name. So, Amber, what was the condition and the circumstances that led to your having ostomy surgery?
1: So, I started having. Um, I guess, stomach issues is I called them when I was little around the age of nine. And I was referred to a pediatric uh, gastroenterologist. And he basically referred to my condition as just irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, you know, she has a little bit of inflammation, never really Um, led to Crohn's or anything like that until I was about 16 I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and I started biologics when I was around 17 so about a year later and I did really well on those for several years I took those my senior year of high school up into college and and did okay for, like I said, several years. I lived a pretty normal life, not feeling like I had a disease or Crohn's. Every once in a while, I would become symptomatic. But in my early 20s, around the age of 23, I started to have a lot more symptoms that were bothersome and more flare ups, and I became hospitalized a lot more, and it was really interfering with my everyday life and affected a lot of my relationships and and my schooling at the time. I had to medically withdraw from the university I was going to two different times um, due to health issues, so that was a struggle. But then. It was basically just the Crohn's disease, and then I was diagnosed with C. diff uh, infection in my colon. And I was so scared when I heard the diagnosis, C. diff, because I knew, wow, this is bad. And that was the summer in 2016 that I met my surgeon. I actually met him about a month before I had surgery. I was so shut off to the idea of surgery. I didn't want to have it, but my colon began to thin and I was at risk for it rupturing. And as I'm sure you may know, if, if your colon ruptures while well, you have C. diff and your body's already weak, that's not a good combination. So surgery just, it became a necessity. My life was now at risk. I had lost so much blood through my bowels, had numerous blood transfusions. And so it became not an option. And in July 2016, I had a complete colectomy and I now have an ileostomy.
0: You had a complete colectomy. Uh, Do you have any rectum left or did you also have a proctectomy?
1: I actually do have my rectum. He wasn't sure going in if he would be able to save my rectum. I really, really wanted my ostomy to be reversed. And so I begged and pleaded, if at all possible, keep my rectum. He was able to save it. And a few months after my surgery, the inflammation in my rectum healed. And I was cleared for a reversal surgery about a year after I had my ostomy. But you know, just discussing with him the risks of having another Crohn's flare uh, after being reconnected and getting that reversed. I was doing so well with my ostomy and it became a part of me and it was manageable. So I have my rectum and I decided to keep my
0: ileostomy. You were originally diagnosed with IBS, Mm -hmm. which is, I'm sure, as you know, really common for sometimes people to be diagnosed with that first. Right. Do you think you actually had IBS?
1: I think that's possible because my symptoms were different. When I was younger, I would experience just more nausea and and vomiting and things like that whereas when I was older and later into my teenage years, it became more of, you know, the the diarrhea, the bloody bowels, the lower abdominal pain and things like that. So you know, there is a possibility that other things developed later on in my teenage life. So I think there's a good chance for that.
0: Before you had ostomy surgery or before you were even approached about it, did you know anything about ostomies and did you have any kind of perception about what life might be like?
1: I actually knew nothing about ostomies. I I knew a little bit. My uncle had an ostomy, but I never saw it. I never talked to him about it. He was very closed off about talking about it. And he did not like having one. But other than that, that's all I really knew. And then he passed away before I ever even thought about having surgery so I was against having surgery because the the one and only thing I knew about it was, oh, my uncle had one and it was a negative experience for him. I didn't want to live life with an ostomy. And the day I met my surgeon for that first time in the ICU and he said, this is, a really good possibility that you will need your colon removed. I just shut down. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want anyone to touch me. My heart rate would actually elevate anytime he would come into my hospital room. And I I was just so nervous. I didn't want to even educate myself about it, which looking back, you know, I wish I had done that and researched it. I just thought I was going to constantly smell bad. That may sound sound weird, but I think a lot of people have worried about that. If they were approached about getting uh, an ostomy, I thought I wouldn't be able to wear cute clothes or go swimming or do a lot of the normal activities that I love to do. But, you know, looking back, I wish I had been more open to the idea of having that surgery and spent time educating myself Um, because, you know, now I see and understand that living life with an ostomy can be great. And it gave me my life back and, you know, seeing advocates online and people like you and, um, Tina and other people that I'm friends with. It's so encouraging to know that there were other people out there sharing their stories. And that's part of what led to me sharing mine.
0: Your uncle had an ostomy. Do you know why he had one?
1: Yes, he had colon cancer. And they, he had a colostomy, so his was a little bit different than mine. They took out part of his colon. I believe my dad said they took out about half of his colon, and he had a colostomy. And he was not married. He didn't have kids, and he just, he never really wanted to open up about it. And, you know, I think about that a lot of times now, and he was not insured, and he struggled to get ostomy supplies. My dad would help him buy certain supplies, just you know, cash from a a local, it's a pharmacy and supply store in, in my hometown. And I just now, you know, think back to that and think, man, I wish that he would have known that there's this whole world out there online of these health advocates and people talking about it and having those discussions because I think that would have really helped him. Um, be more accepting of it. And, you know, that's that's another reason that I share because I never want anyone to feel the way that I think he felt. And that's why I started, you know, the blessing bags that I did um, to try to help get ostomy supplies to people who need them. Um, because what happened with him really affected me.
0: Other than knowing that he had the ostomy, because I'm assuming that you were told about his surgery and about his cancer, was there any indication that He had an ostomy that you saw?
1: No, there would be times my dad is a land surveyor and he worked with my dad. There would be times my dad would tell me that, you know, he would have to come off of a job. They worked outside and go find a bathroom, but you couldn't see it when you were around him. He didn't want to show it to anyone at all. He was very private about it. He would get embarrassed if someone would bring it up. And so, you know, we, we visited with him throughout his whole cancer journey. I was around him quite a bit, but it was just kind of like a taboo thing that we just didn't bring up because we knew he was so uncomfortable.
0: How much do you think of your perception about what an ostomy was before you were being approached that you might have to have this surgery came from his attitude about his ostomy and sort of the, the family dynamic of the ostomy?
1: Oh, it it heavily influenced how I felt about it. That was one of the first things when I was in the hospital. I remember looking at my mom and just bawling and saying, I'm going to have to have a bag like Uncle Rusty did. And it wasn't seen as a life-saving device or a life-saving miracle or anything like that. It was seen as, oh gosh, I'm going to have to go what he went through.
0: You had a perception from your uncle about what an ostomy was like and from how the family dealt with it, which they took, they were taking cues from him, which I think is appropriate. But at the same time, nobody was aware of his ostomy unless he told them, you know, your perception of that people might find out or that I might smell kind of came from, you know, I don't know if it came from him or, you know, came from somewhere else.
1: Oh, yeah, that's definitely where it came from. Because at the time, I didn't know anyone else who... Had an ostomy later on, a few I guess a year or so after my uncle Rusty got his. My great aunt Betty, you <laughs> know, now my southern roots are coming out. Great aunt Betty, she um had to have an ostomy for colon cancer as well, and she had it for a very short time and then she passed away. So, honestly. The only two ideas of an ostomy, I, I didn't know anyone else that had one, were someone who was very, you know, closed off about it. And it seemed like a burden to him. And then my elderly aunt, who didn't live long after she had her surgery.
0: Right. So you were going into the situation with your surgeon, having all of this complicated family history behind you yet now today you are sharing all kinds of things about your ostomy surgery so how did that change for you
1: so i had contemplated keeping it a secret not telling anyone that i had the ostomy but then i decided to post on my personal facebook page i was just receiving so many questions about my health and where I had been and why I was hospitalized so long. And so I posted, you know, just asking for prayer and for people to, you know, be remembering me in their thoughts and prayers when I had the surgery. And then people, once I said I was having surgery to have my colon removed, they started saying, oh, well, what's an ostomy bag? What is that? And I didn't have my ostomy diary's name or anything like that, but I just began sharing my journey with an ostomy and explaining really what an ostomy is to just the people on my personal Facebook.
0: How do your family and friends feel about you being public regarding having an ileostomy?
1: I am so blessed with an amazing support system with my friends and family, you know, when I First made that first post in the hospital I remember my mom saying are you sure this is what you want to do we'll be here for you no matter what and I did and I ended up posting and my family and friends have just wrapped their arms around me and helped me every step of the way and I think they were kind of nervous for me when I began making videos and actually showing my ostomy I um had had a negative experience shortly after surgery I had been seeing this guy and he was there for me the whole time I was in the hospital he would visit and send me flowers and this that and the other and then when I told him I had to have surgery to receive an ostomy I never heard from him again, and they saw how that affected me. It's not so much that we were so serious or that I was so heartbroken. It's just the fact that that was my first impression of, oh, this is how people are going to treat me. And so they really saw how that affected me and, and messed with me mentally. And I never doubted if I had their support, and I'm so thankful for that. But I think they just wanted me to be prepared if you know other people are gonna react that way or not.
0: I think that's perfectly understandable. And I also think it's something, maybe a little bit of wisdom that your parents were sort of sharing with you about what it could be like to be public about something that is seen as as taboo, even though it's a very altruistic thing to do. And it certainly is helping people everywhere all over the world with IBD and those who have ostomies for other reasons it is a risk to yourself in many ways. So keeping that in mind, how challenging was it for you to click publish on the first thing that you published about your ostomy?
1: So sharing on my personal Facebook page was not as hard for me because, you know, those people are my my friends. And Hopefully, the people you're, that are on your Facebook list are your friends. I, try, The people on mine are, and they were so supportive. I asked my friends and family to keep me in their prayers. And I was just so focused on the surgery because I, I made that first post on my personal Facebook. And then I think the next day was my surgery. That's how big of an emergency it was. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about their reactions. And there was so much support and just people saying, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you on my YouTube channel. However, when I started that, I was a nervous wreck my first couple videos, I remember I would hit the publish button and then I would just immediately close my laptop and go find something to do around the house or to get my mind completely off of it. And I almost didn't even want to look and see what people were saying or if there were any views or anything like that. But then when I saw how positive and supportive people were, that's really what gave me the confidence to keep sharing.
0: Did you ever record a video and then upload it and then think to yourself, why on earth am I doing this?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, (laughs) you know, talking about bowel movements, that can be uncomfortable anyway. And so I remember the first video that I actually showed my ostomy because the first few I just showed an actual ostomy bag. It wasn't the one on my body, and so the first time I showed my ostomy, I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, what did I just do? I just showed people, you know, this this pouch that collects my bowel movements." So woohoo! Let's see how this goes. <laughs>
0: that's really, that's really very funny to think about it in that yeah. in that way. What about in your everyday? life. You had friends and family who rallied around you. You had a great support system. I'm so grateful for you to, you know, that you had that. But what kind of stigma have you faced on either face-to-face or online? So a lot of the stigma is, I
1: suppose, more related to my Crohn's disease. I've been accused of, oh, you get sick a lot. Or you're being sketchy, you know, when I had to cancel plans last minute because Crohn's disease flares can be so unpredictable. You can be feeling pretty okay one day and then the next day or a day or two later, just really be having a hard time. And so people would say, oh, you get sick all the time. And um, another thing that I was told more recently is, oh, you lost so much weight uh, after a Crohn's disease flare and people have said to me wow the Crohn's Crohn's disease diet must be amazing and I don't even think they realize what they're saying you know I mean people you lose weight and people automatically take that as a compliment and they don't think oh the, the price I had to pay to do so and I actually had a funny experience um, about this it was about a year ago and I was speeding through a school zone I know rebel I'm a teacher I should know better but um I got pulled over and the picture in my license, I had been on steroids for a long time and my face was so puffy. I had that moon face going on and the policeman looked at me and he said, oh, you've lost weight. Good for you. And I said, oh, well, I was on steroids. And I said, the legal kind. I have Crohn's disease. And, you know, I just had a laugh about it. But I just, I don't think people sometimes even realize that they're you know, feeding that stigma and and um, saying things that may be hurtful.
0: I've had that exact same experience because <laughs> I, I do also have photos where I have the extreme moon face from anywhere from 40 milligrams to 100 milligrams of prednisone a day. And I have had people say to me, wow, you've lost a lot of weight since high school. And I'm like, actually, I was probably 90 pounds dripping wet in that photograph. Exactly. You're just seeing... My face, you know, I'm much healthier now.
1: <laughs> and that's what they don't see is that, yeah, I, I, my face looks puffy, but I was barely keeping down chicken broth at the time, you know? So they, they just don't realize the price that comes with that. Um, but, you know, that's why we do what we do.
0: You're so right about that. How do you keep all of your identities separate from your identity as the ostomy diarist.
1: Oh, it can be a struggle sometimes. I feel like, you know, I'll be at dinner and me and Joel, my husband, it's like we're we just made tacos and we're also talking about the new ostomy bag that I tried and, you know, so sometimes I have to reel it back in. But there's there's certain things that I keep private that I don't share online and A lot of times I find myself wanting to document just large portions of my life so I can share it with other people. But I've learned to just keep some things between me and Joel and, you know, be intentional about having that, that separate time. I think for me, keeping it separate means blocking off separate time that I don't focus on any advocacy work. And then, you know, there's some things that I only share on my personal page versus what I share on my ostomy diaries page so I just have to be intentional about blocking off time and and then you know some things I just don't share with the world
0: I love that word intentional it's one of my favorite words speaking of being intentional about your advocacy and about the other parts of your life you are a teacher tell me a little bit about how you manage your ostomy at work
1: so I work at a small school here in Tennessee. I am their chemistry and biology teacher. And most of the teachers that I work with knew me when I went through the, the really severe flare-ups in 2016 and had to have surgery. But, you know, knowing that I was sick or have Crohn's disease and then explaining my ostomy is a totally different ball game. I just... I try to stay lighthearted about it um, when I explain it to them. Like I said, bowel movements can be really uncomfortable to talk about. And I just have to talk about it in a positive light and how thankful I am for it. It was important for me personally to provide documentation to my principal. He was totally understanding and he, he was just so kind. I can't, brag on my administration enough about how kind they were to me through all of that but I did just for for my peace of mind want to provide that documentation that you know I have an ostomy I may need extra bathroom breaks and you know I would recommend other people that have IBD or an ostomy to provide that to their supervisors or HR office just so that they're aware and I think it gives, it it definitely gave me peace of mind. I didn't have to worry, you know, are they going to think it's weird if I go to the bathroom more times today? But I've just, I've formed relationships with other teachers and they're there for me. If I'm in the middle of class, I'll just shoot them a message and say, hey, I really need a bathroom break and they'll come and relieve me. That way my class isn't alone, you know, because I can't leave them by themselves. But I also try to consider what I'm eating for breakfast. I know that in the morning when I get to work, I've got a little time before my class where I can go to the bathroom. But then after that, you know, I'm not sitting there munching and snacking during class. And and I try to be cautious, of, uh, mindful of that because I know my body and I know how long after I eat before I'm typically gonna have to use the bathroom it's not always the case but um, I just try to keep that in mind when planning around you know what class periods I teach during the day versus when I have a break so here's five tips for sharing your story tip number one know your audience as people with IBD there are many ways we could go when sharing our story Figure out who in the community you want to reach. Who can you help? Knowing this will help you include the right details in your content. Tip number two, don't be afraid to share the difficult moments. I tend to lean towards positivity. When I first started sharing, I only wanted to share the highlight reel. I wanted to feature all my best moments in the areas of life where I was killing it but people really connect with the content about life's difficult moments too. If I have a bag leak or feel too exhausted to brush my hair one day, I share those things. People want to know they are not alone and everyone experiences hard times. Knowing someone else out there just gets it, helps build a sense of community and I truly feel community and acceptance is important to people with IBD. Tip number three, don't share before you're ready. If you're still making peace with your new normal, give yourself some time to learn and adapt. I had IBD for years and an ostomy for about seven months before I started sharing detailed content or videos. Take baby steps. There's no timeline you have to follow and you can go at your own pace. Tip number four, be authentic. Just be you. It's so important to be transparent and honest. I feel like when I first began to share, I felt like I had to appear to have the perfect life and have it all together. You don't always have to be killing it. That's not real life. Everyone has struggles, and I think people really identify with openness. Some of the most meaningful conversations I've had with people who follow my page were because I posted a non-filtered, honest piece of content. Being yourself, listening and responding to others and just showing compassion are what builds trust with an audience. Tip number five, connect with the community. Connecting with other advocates and people who have IBD encouraged me to keep sharing. It made me feel like my voice mattered. You can learn so much from other people and their stories. Feeling that sense of community for me is what it's all about. Don't be afraid to send a direct message or email to one of your favorite advocates. Ask for their advice or team up to do a collaboration. It's also really important to acknowledge other people's comments on your posts. It helps them feel seen and know that you want to connect with them too.
0: Like any group, people who live with IBD don't always agree on everything. Some people prefer to keep their health status private, while others choose to share in some capacity. Just as every person's IBD is different, it is the same with decisions when it comes to our health. What's important is that we respect one another's choices in being either public or private about our disease. For those who are able to share, it can make a difference for those who are finding their new normal. I asked Amber to read a letter from a woman who reached out in regards to coping with surgery for ulcerative colitis. So this
1: is a message I received from a woman in Australia who found me online and she had a brother who needed an ostomy. So here's what it said. Hi, Amber. You don't know me, but I just found your tags on Facebook regarding your colectomy. I have a disabled brother with an intellectual disability who is 38 years old who has severe ulcerative colitis. He's been in the hospital the last two months with a severe flare-up and nothing seems to be working. The doctors are saying to have a proctocolectomy. however, we are scared. I found your tags on the subject and just wanted you to know that you've really helped my family. I'm so grateful that I found you on Instagram and YouTube. You have so many wonderful tips on there. Keep up the wonderful work. I love how positive you are. You made me feel positive about, and then she gave her brother's name, his operation, and I could share that with my family. I loved his stoma right from the beginning, thanks to your advice and words of wisdom. And for that, me and my family can't thank you enough. You made it so much easier for us to brave up and see his stoma and do a bag change for him because he can't do his own bag changes. Now I do them all the time. And she put a little smiley face emoji. It's so wonderful to know that our world has sweet people like you in it. Like I said before, keep up the great work because you're changing lives.
0: Hey, super listener. Thank you to Amber Wallace Ogle for being such a delight and for being so patient waiting for this episode to air. Amber runs a program every year called Blessing Bags where she distributes ostomy supplies to those who are in need. Make sure you follow her at her website, ostomediaries.com and on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter as Ostomy Diaries to participate in her ostomy supply program and to learn more about her. Thanks for listening, and don't forget that you can find me all over the interwebs as About IBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as at aboutibd.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please share it on social media or tell a friend how to use their podcast app and how to subscribe. These little things might not seem important, but they are because they help me keep making my show as well as to continue with my blog and my activism work. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Mal and Tal Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Sound engineering is by Matt Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio.
1: And can we also just say, I think I've done a really good job at not sounding so hillbilly in this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I can. I really get it together when I need to. Oh,
0: oh thank you for that. That's yeah. a that's a great outtake. I'm keeping that.